This is the Branches Podcast. We try to keep it simple in this family of faith. Love God and love people. Let's not make it harder than Jesus intended. If you'd like to know more about our community of faith, you can visit us at branchesoc.com. Hi, everyone. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here this morning. My name is Kim, if we haven't met. I am in the front with the kids a lot lately, and so um, just wanted to introduce myself. And Boog actually asked me to share this Sunday, and so I was thinking about just the message, you know, the overarching love God, love people, and what do I have to say about that? Um, I was like, oh, I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> but when I think about how um, our stories, each and every one of our stories is actually an expression of loving God and loving people, then I thought, well, I can just share a piece of my story. So that's what I'm going to do. And the um, scripture verse that I was thinking of uh, when I was just putting together what I kind of wanted to share about and what I wanted to talk about. And some of you have heard some of my story and some of you haven't. Um, But the Bible verse that really uh, stood out to me and that I want to speak to is 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, which says, my grace is all you need for my power is greatest when you are weak. I'm most happy then to be proud of my weakness in order to feel the protection of Christ's power over me. I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And um, I just believe loving people is truly an expression of sharing ourselves and the, the greatest form of that is in the context of community. So when we share our stories, we might be drawing, um, drawing someone in, giving them the strength and inspiration that they can take. Um, and I don't think it's that easy all the time. <laughs> so I guess we can just keep talking about it and keep attempting it. Um, but I think when we can love each other at our most flawed state, then we can better love each other at our most healed state. And that's just going to help us to prod each other towards more authenticity and call us out when we need called out, which I often need. Um, So my story, some of my story. It was a follow-up ultrasound appointment after they noticed something was off with my first ultrasound. Um, This is with our second son and our midwife told us, I'm sure it's nothing. Um, Ultrasound technicians, they are trained to find something. So it's probably nothing. And we had never had an ultrasound with our first son. So I didn't think much of it. And I went to that appointment by myself. So there I was, 23 weeks pregnant, (laughs) and I am big pregnant. I'm going to say that a couple times. Like, (laughs) 
I get real big real quick. So there I was, um, just lying alone in a room. It was probably the size of a modest walk-in closet. <laughs> and I'm just staring at the monitor in front of me uh, with my baby boy. And um, the technician re-entered the room with the doctor. And they just looked at me and said, where's your husband? And I was like, well, he's not here. And they said, well, can you get him on the phone? We would like for both of you to hear what we want to tell you about. And at this point, I'm just getting like sweaty. Like, that's not great. Um, that's not really what you want to hear. And I tried to call him and he didn't answer. And so we decided to just record <coughs> on my phone what she was going to tell me so that I could play it for him later. I never listened to it again later. I'll just tell you that right now. Um, but he got to listen to it. Uh, so she proceeded to tell me that there's a problem with the baby. And she showed me in the ultrasound this circular thing. I don't, it's so hard to even know what an ultrasound is, right? They have to point out each little detail. I could never have caught it. And um, what was there was called an umphalocele, and that is where the, some of the internal organs were on the outside of his body. So that's not great. Um, and she just let us know, you need to come back as soon as possible to talk to a genetic counselor. You're 23 weeks pregnant. <coughs> After 24 weeks pregnant, termination is very difficult, and you need to decide. So basically, at this point, I'm sure I was completely speechless, but I was abrupt in my, uh, we will not be terminating. And I'm staring at my baby and listening to the little sounds in utero. So at least for that part, I was like, no, no. Um, she just seemed to talk forever. That was like, time slowed down. And I'm sure my face was just frozen with big eyes and a pretend smile. You know, the little forced smile. I think we all have one of those. Uh, she finally just paused and asked me, do you hear what I'm saying? Because I was not reacting at all. And her voice became very stern and she forced eye contact with me and she said, do you understand? This is really serious. And I'll tell you, I just wanted to scream at her at the top of my lungs. Like, yeah, of course I understand. Like, I'm just trying to get through. So I confirmed to her, yes, I understood. I burst into tears. I said, I need to leave this place. Like, set up my appointment. I'm leaving now. And, um, and I just like felt like I was on fire all over my body, just like hot red. So I proceeded to leave. I was at the Saddleback Medical Center off El Toro, some high up spot. I will tell you guys, it felt like a labyrinth to get out of that place. I could not leave fast enough. It was like all the hallways look the same, and you're like weaving in and out and getting to the elevator, and I was 
so unmistakably pregnant that I was just praying, God, please don't let a single person comment on my belly or my due date or this pregnancy because everybody loves to just say a little something sweet. And I just had to get out of there. It was like when I exploded out that exit door, I literally like, I'm so glad no one was on the other side. I just flung that door open. Like I thought the oxygen outside would ground me and it did not. <laughs> Everything was different after that. So Joey and I um, returned to the same building and the same office the next day and we met with a genetic counselor who told us so much information with so many big words. Like, I have no idea, you know? I'm just barely passing high school science. And she's like trying to explain what's happening. Um, basically saying, well, there's a few like genetic possibilities here and we should test for those and so we chose to get a blood test for myself um, to see if we could identify one of the three most common reasons for the umphalocele um, those were tri trisomy 13 on uh, which most infants don't live past their first week trisomy 18 which is usually fatal before birth, but if the baby is born, they usually don't live past one year. Or Down syndrome, which at least we are familiar with. Um, and beyond those reasons, those three main ones, um, they just thought that it, other than that, it might be a fluke or it's such a rare, and there's so many rare options, they didn't even discuss them with us. So that began are two weeks waiting for lab results. That starts the heavy clock. That starts the unsatisfactory wait, right? When life throws us like these kind of curveballs, it just feels so unacceptable, <laughs> to be honest. And I am gonna hit pause like on this and just give you a little bit of background um, before this, uh, just so that you know a little bit of my story before this pregnancy, um, I won't have time to unpack all of it since it's not really what I'm going to be focusing on, but just for context, I have lived in this area a little over 15 years, and before I moved here, I, my life was just headed in a different direction. I was consumed in a world of addiction, uh, specifically around drugs and alcohol. I was married before. I had lost my husband to an overdose. And I was just so sick, you know? Um, to say those moments in my life were traumatic. That just feels like an understatement. And I refer to that time in my life as like a, a bankruptcy. Like I was physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually bankrupt. It was a very dark time for me. Um, but there was a turning point, you know? I, I made a decision. I chose life instead of all of that that I was um, doing and participating in. And I got sober and I 
did some work to address the baggage I was carrying around from the choices that I made, from the tragedy and my loss. And today I'm still active in a 12-step program. Uh, that is where I learned um, what it means to have a spiritual connection and what it means to grow my relationship and my faith with God. That's um, kind of what, what helped me explore that side of things. So I'll fast forward you guys right back to the wait. Two weeks. Everywhere I went, I was terrified someone was going to ask you about the baby. And everywhere I went, somebody did. Strangers just love to ask you about the baby. I, um, you know, we, we had our branches family praying for us and waiting with us. We named him so that we could pray for him by name because he didn't have a name yet at that point, And everyone was praying for him by name. And we just waited. As soon as I could piece together some composure, <laughs> I called a woman who had mentored me for many years leading up to this point. And she had moved out of state, so I just called. I couldn't see her in person, um, but we still had that really close connection, and I just needed to talk to her and tell her what was going on. So I told her everything, and she just listened. And I told her how scared I was and what the test results might mean. I told her that I knew God had a plan and, um, and that I had faith, you know, in that plan, whatever it was going to be. I, uh, whatever is going to happen, I'm going to get through it. You know, we're going to get through this together. And I talked for some time and she listened. And once I talked myself silent, uh, she said one word to me. And. She said it like it was a complete sentence. And it was so obnoxious, I'll tell you guys. Because, and what? But somehow there was an and because I kept talking. And I said, and God's in charge. This is out of my control. And she said it again. I just have to wait for the test results and stay focused on God for my strength. And, well, we're coping. He will carry us through this. And... I will just keep putting one foot in front of the other. God has a plan for my life and our life and our family's life. And, and I finally cracked. And this isn't freaking fair. I already had my trauma, you know? I'm a good person. I don't deserve this. I'm doing all the stuff I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing all the stuff God asks me to do. Why is this happening to us? I'm pretty sure I was scream crying at this point at the phone. You see, it was three days before I called her. Three days between when my whole world turned upside down and when I finally picked up the phone those thoughts, that was my dark secret. I didn't want to seem ungrateful for all the blessings, you know, that I had already experienced in my life. I didn't want to feel entitled to some sort of 
perfect outcome. How could I say these things knowing how much suffering there is in the world? How could it compare, you know? There's so many hurting people. I mean, I know God loves me, and I believe all the things I was saying. But I wasn't actually feeling those things that I was saying. There was a big disconnect. And the disconnect between what I know to be true and what I felt to be true, I needed to do some work to get through that. Because of who this person was in my life, because of how she knew me and she knew my past, she wasn't going to let me carry the darkness all alone. Honestly, she seemed relieved when I broke down. <laughs> and I think she just said something like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. This really sucks. I didn't know in that moment, but that was the catalyst I needed to truly allow God into my pain. My freedom was wrapped up in expressing my truth, not only to God, but to God and another person. I had to surrender those dark thoughts without judgment of myself. Who am I to judge, you know? <laughs> These types of secrets, be it negative thoughts, ungratefulness, entitlement, destructive inner dialogue, or self-speak, that just grows the darkness. As I expose them, these thoughts that I didn't want to be thinking to the light, then the power I was giving them started to disappear. So, if you know me or my family, then I will share with you that Porter just turned eight years old and he is absolutely amazing. <laughs> Obviously, there's a lot of story in between then and now. Um, he's healthy and I will say often happy. <laughs> uh, the test results came back negative for all of those things and um, the surgeon was able to repair his emphalocele when he was one day old. The days after his birth were not without trial. Many of you walked through that with us. We visited specialists. Um, he was diagnosed with a very rare genetic disorder. Uh, we faced information overload, as happens in the hospitals and doctors. Uh, multiple surgeries and all of that's probably a story for another day, but he's awesome. And he just, his birthday was on Friday. So if you guys see him rollerblading around, feel free to wish him happy birthday. <laughs> um, so what I learned, I don't always have to say and do the right thing. I can, really get through to what God has for me. I can't really get through to what God has for me if I'm stuck in a loop. I'm really not equipped to figure this stuff out on my own. I wanna do it alone so bad, you guys. I went to that appointment alone. I just feel like I should be able to handle it. And um, 
that's not the case. I need people in my life. I need to be intentional about including others in my struggles. And I need to show up for others in an honest way. What I wanted you guys to know, there's nothing you can say, think, or feel that's gonna shock God. I've tried it all. <laughs> nothing too big or too inappropriate, and um, there's just nothing that he can't piece together in us and for us. When I set aside time to express my gratitude, to pray, or to grow my relationship with God, I'm not doing it so my life will get better. I'm doing it so I will get better. Life's going to keep throwing us curveballs. Life's going to keep bringing us to our knees. So my only hope to navigate all of it is just this like crazy, unexplainable faith. I need God to help me be better. Sometimes it's hard work, and in my opinion, it cannot be done alone. Second Corinthians 12, nine through 10. My grace is all you need, for my power is greatest when you are weak. I'm most happy then to be proud of my weaknesses in order to feel the protection of Christ's power over me. I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I'm strong. And I wrote a little prayer for you and for me. So I'll read that, and um, I'm going to go ahead and invite you guys up while I read this. <sighs> May the everlasting Father wash over you now. May his spirit shine light into the dark places of your brokenness and give voices to your stories that you may better love one another. Help us to surrender who we were who we are, and all that we are to become. I pray that we can loosen our grip on what ought to be and embrace the reality of our imperfections. Wonderful counselor, wash over your people with the truth of your grace. Remind us that there is nothing we can do to make you love us more, and there is nothing we can do to make you love us less. <laughs>